0: Google. Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Richard is unable to be with us tonight so we are offering you a rebroadcast of a past episode of The Porch called Appeal to the Remnant. Richard will be back next week here on The Porch and Firefall Talk Radio. He appreciates your understanding, support, and prayers. Tonight may be a little different. Um, A lot of it's going to be me speaking from the heart. I had a lot planned. As you know, if you've been listening to me, I like to really dig in a lot of scripture, a lot of insight, whatever different um, things I can fill in to help you get it. And after spending all day doing that, the Lord said, "Um, but I want you to do this too. I'm going to be sharing some things from the heart. In what I am calling an appeal to the remnant, I know the church at large isn't going to get it. I know those with a religious mindset are not going to get it. But that's why we do this. That's why I I like to come on live. I don't like to record these ahead of time. I like to sit here, and when it hits 7 o'clock, I like to let the Spirit do whatever He wants to do. That's how I was taught. By a really great teacher, anointed man of God, uh, Pastor Robert Shelley, who's my spiritual father, if you know from reading the book, or you know me, he never did canned messages. He didn't do, you know, seven weeks planned out. He let the Lord give him the word, and then he stepped out and gave it, sometimes all night long, and then would shower at the church and then walk into the sanctuary. I don't have that, I have to worry about that because I'm here at home. So I can just strut into the studio and do this. But we're broadcasting live from the Firefall studio on Firefall Talk Radio here live on Spreaker.com, also archived for download or listen to later. And also for our listeners still listening from Blog Talk and iTunes, you can get us there after midnight or tomorrow morning, which. Ever when I get around to. You just never know. We get back to basics, and tonight we're going to get back to basics. The Book of Acts Church got it. They understood it, and that's why we take a deeper look into how they did it. My goal has always been never to create a church, never to build a ministry, but to restore the priesthood of the believer and that world-shaking influence that the Book of Acts Church had. And there's only one way to do that. It's to remind ourselves that the day of Pentecost is ongoing, the fire is still falling, you can have it if you don't have it, if you do have it, you can have more of it, and you can be filled, if you look at the book of Acts, it fell multiple times, and as much as they needed, they got, and that's where we are, that's what Solomon's Porch has always been about, and always will be about. If you want to reach me through that on solomonsporch.org, we can go to firefalltalkradio.com, contact me either way. And you can find ways to support us. If by any chance you listen on Sunday to Reflections in the Dark and you have a supernatural or, as the world calls it, a paranormal issue, I like to compartmentalize things, you can go to supernaturalresponse.net and that's how you find us. Bookmark it, share it, get the word out. Let's wake some people up. That's why I've started writing blogs again for the paranormal, the supernatural, and prophecy it's thebeaconsglare.com. The Porch blog is onsolomonsporch.com. the ministry is .org. The blog is .com. And I just posted one the other day called Don't Break the Seal. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, I'm the only one that has praise reports and prayer requests, and that's fine. That allows me to just flow right into things. I praise him that he would even consider me to do this. After 28 years of serving Him, after accepting Him as my Lord and Savior, as my master, as my everything. I cherish each day, so I praise Him for that. I praise Him for His mercy on my life and the the restoration of my family. I praise Him for my home, for my my furry kids. uh, Some people call them pets. I praise Him for my son, Jesse. It's his birthday today. He is... 34 years old. He's a good young man, a strong young man, both physically and spiritually. Uh, He and his wife, Aubrey, and uh, they have their furry kids. And my son, Chris, is out in California pursuing his acting career with his as well. And I am thankful for that. I have a legacy, a legacy that almost got thrown away and destroyed. And God is good. I praise him for this home. I praise him for the ministry. I praise him for being able to do this, for the technology and all the things that he's given me to allow me to do this. I praise him for favor and provision and for the dreams and the visions. I also praise him for living in this country. America's got its problems. It's got its issues. And the enemy got its hand in the mix. But I believe that America was created and founded by people that came over on ships that were looking for the new Jerusalem. They were looking for a place to set up the perfect messianic worship facility, Friday to Saturday, Sabbath, Sunday, fellowship with the believers. And that's what they wanted. And, of course, we know whenever you try to do that, the enemy snakes in there. But I believe in what America was intended to be. So I praise him that we got a reprieve. I believe it's only going to be three and a half years, as I shared on Sunday night on Reflections in the Dark. And in that time, we can get the job done. We can continue to do what we've been called to do. We can prepare. We can pray. And then uh, watch the sky for the return of the king. I praise him for you. I thank you. You keep me going. You keep me motivated. When I get tired and and the fight gets too tough and I wonder why I'm doing this, then I remember him, and he makes me remember you. So I will keep fighting. I will keep going. I will keep doing until I die or I fly, and I don't think I'm going to die, so it will be until I fly. My prayer is for all those things. My prayer is for America. My prayer is for the next two months for sure, and those three and a half years that are ahead. My prayer is that the church would rise up and awaken in this dark hour and be the church. Stop playing church. I pray for the provision to go and do everything he has shown us to do, to expose the enemy, to set the captives free, to come and meet some of you and to uh, set up shop and spend a couple of days and do Bible studies and minister and pray with you and and maybe go witness with you and do all those things. Take SRT on the road and set the captives free and punch the enemy in the eye a couple of times and shut their doorways and their windows and all the things that they do. Destroy the work of the enemy. I I pray for the open door, the effective door of ministry to open, not just to me but everybody who has this heart. And this desire. And for all of you that want to be trained and that want to follow and that want to do, I want to be able to come and spend that time with you, whether it's up in Alberta, Canada, or the West Coast, or wherever it may be. So that's my prayer. And I pray that you would pray that with me. There are people in Birmingham, Alabama, that would like to see me move there. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. But they'd like to see me there half the time. That's going to take provision. That's going to take blessings. But I believe it's coming. I believe that this is the time of warfare. And if there's warfare, there's going to be provision. So Father, we praise you. We praise you for everybody that's listening. We praise you for their homes, their families, their pets and possessions. We praise you for the heart that beats inside of them and the the synapses of their brain and, and their eyes opening and their ears hearing and their their limbs working father we pray healing and anything that's not working the way you designed it we pray that their bodies hearts souls minds and spirit would go back to their divine design we pray that you'd undo what the enemy has done what this world has done what a dysfunction in our DNA has done restore it father to your glory we thank you for your love. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for Yeshua. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Father's heart that never gave up. We thank you for the fire that still burns. And Lord, we long for the day. We long for the day. We groan like creation groans for the return of the King, for you to return and put this all back the way it was supposed to be. But until that happens, we will go, we will do, we will speak, we will preach, we will teach. We will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We will cast out demons, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, and the dead will be raised. And they will know that our God is God. They will know that the God of all creation, El Elyon, God Most High, is our Abba Father. And that his Son, the only begotten Son of the Father, Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua Hamashiach, is our Lord and Savior, and that he's in this battle with us. So Father, we thank you now. We take our thoughts captive, we clear our minds, we get prepared to receive what you have for us. We we just let go the cares of this world, the stress of today, which we see on the news, it's all gone right now. Come into the secret place. Come into the hidden shadow of his wings. Let us hear what you have to say, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way. Say whatever you want to say. Do whatever you want to do. If you want to hit somebody while they're listening, if you want the fire to fall, I ask that you do it. I hope that they'll share it with us if it happens. If they get healed or delivered or saved, maybe somebody gave this to you and you are not born again. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, open your eyes, open your ears. Realize that you need a Savior. And there is one that died for you, shed his blood on a cross, but he's not dead. The tomb is empty. The cross is bare. Yeshua, Jesus, is alive. He sits at the right hand of the Father in fullness and power, and we sit with him in the heavenly places, and we invite you to join the family. Come along, come along, come along. So, Father, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise in Yeshua's name. Amen. lessons are proprietary information, except where noted that the information comes from outside sources. combination of that information in the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or reused without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. You know, after that prayer, I really wish I had that bell that they cling before the fighters come out, because that's what it feels like. But you know what? I want you to know this. That in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as John and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning of faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed his doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions. This is Paul speaking, which happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What what persecutions I endured. And out of them, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Messiah Yeshua will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from who you learn them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Messiah Yeshua, Messiah Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now we know Paul speaking to Timothy. And as I've explained before, First Timothy is about a church that is exploding and growing. And Second Timothy is about a church that is imploding and coming apart at the seams. But the exhortations to endure hardships, to be diligent, to rightly divide the word and be a vessel fit for the master's use are just as much today as they were for then but they are given in a specific context and that context is perilous times we are in perilous times folks we are in the last days and some people say well you don't you don't really know that well yeah i do i do Because Peter said it on the day of Pentecost. See, the last days included the whole time from the writing of that letter until the return of Messiah. It actually officially began on the day of Pentecost. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Starting with verse 14, this will be the New Living Translation. And Peter stepped forward with the other 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and in those days I will pour out my Spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, clouds of smoke, the sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does it say in verse 17? In the last days, what would happen? According to Joel, it would be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what Peter was telling them and what he's telling us is that the tick of the clock, the last days, began on the day of Pentecost. When the fire fell in the upper room, it was a universal signal that the end was at hand. The book of Acts church knew it. The fallen knew it. The demons knew it. Peter talks about it in Second Peter 3, what it would be like in the last days. Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they woefully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved, by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, two different places. Peter talks about the last days. He talks about we're in them, and this is why I say we're in them. The prophecy from Joel is fulfilled. The scoffers saying, Where is the promise of his coming? How many people do you see in social media and supposed teachers and preachers and whatever else, eaters, will tell you, Well, the rapture is not going to happen. There is no second coming. We're living in the millennium. They're fulfilling. What Peter said in Second Peter chapter 3 verses 3 through 9. They are scoffers. They are to be ignored. But i tell you who hasn't ignored it. The fallen have not ignored it. Satan has not ignored it. They know he's coming back soon. The demons know that he's coming back soon. As I said, Pentecost was their wake-up alarm. It was like that bell from the boxing match. Ding, final round, this is it. They set in motion their plan for the end. And then the church went to sleep. That's why last week I talked about waking up and encouraged you. Well, now my heart's cry is an appeal to the remnant. See, as I worked on this teaching all day long, which was based upon those two scriptures from Timothy and Peter, the Lord began to speak to me, and I began to see things, and I began to hear things, and all you have to do is turn on the news. Since the election last week, what we have seen, according to what I said Sunday night on Reflections in the Dark, is what I believe to be a demonic response to the outcome of the election. It was not supposed to go down that way. That was not what the fallen and their offspring were expecting. That wasn't what they were planning on. They were planning on a party. They were planning on fireworks. They were planning on a coming out party. They were planning on the coming out of the pit and getting their bodies and doing whatever it is that they're going to do. And the father said, no, nope, not yet. Wasn't my time. See, it doesn't matter what they think. They are bound By his rules, by his schedule. And as the Lord told me six or eight months ago, sitting here in this room, that we would get a brief reprieve. I know many of you that I shared it with didn't believe me, but I know what I heard him say. And I'll tell you why he's done it. I want to be careful here, so I don't want to get myself in trouble. There's evil out there that is meant to destroy this world, to destroy his children, both Jew and Gentile, both the vine and those grafted into the vine. They'd love to hack it up. They'd love to set it on fire. They'd love to cut our heads off. And they're doing it elsewhere, and they want to come to America and do it here. And had it gone their way, they would have. And I believe that from the throne room, he said, no, not going to happen right now. I'm going to give my children a chance to prepare. And get ready. I'm giving them a chance to wake up. I'm giving them a chance to prepare for the battle. But it will come here. We know from the book of Revelation and what we've heard, it is coming. But I believe, and I've stated both in blogs and on now here and on Reflections in the Dark, election 2016, when Trump won was God's way of saying, you're on my schedule, not yours. And that's why I believe the reaction has been so unreasonable, so outrageous, so over the top, even beyond just traditional politics. This is demonic. When you see people doing what they're doing, destroying things, loss of life, Um, impeding people from getting to the hospital, attacking animals, attacking police horses, excuse me, but defecating on political signs and doing all the craziness they're doing, you have to be blind to not see that there's something demonic about this. It's not going to stop, folks. See, as I mentioned Sunday night when we discussed this, with what I do with SRT, we don't talk about it a lot here on the porch. But when the Lord sends me and the team out there to minister to somebody, to help them, to cleanse their home, cleanse their land, he's actually sending us to close a portal or a gateway. When we went to Alabama two years ago, it was a superhighway. Whether it's a small opening or a big opening, the enemy loses, always loses, because we do what we do in the name of the king of kings and lord of lords. But the enemy just doesn't go, oh, ho-hum, we lost. Let's go, let's go have a, a drink of some brimstone or let's go to the brimstone bar and grill. No, no, they get angry. They act out. They retaliate. Well, what we're seeing right now is the enemy acting out and retaliating. When you defeat a predator like the fallen, like their demonic offspring, who live outside of time you must expect them to retaliate well, we need to get serious, we need to wake up, as I've said you know, that was the theme for Reflections in the Dark for two years wake up, wake up Uh, I'm awake, well, I, I don't think many people are playtime is over the time for religious games is over. The time for building personal kingdoms and egos and edifices and things that glorify men is over. We need to take things seriously. The first thing we need to take seriously is the Lord. Oh, yes, he loves us. Yes, he died for us. Yes, his grace is and compassion is amazing. But folks, let's get real. He's the one who spoke everything into existence. But for his love for you and the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, he could speak a word and your heart would stop. We need to understand who he is. We need to not only see him as Savior, we need to see him as Lord. We need to see him as King. We need to see him as the royal powerful, regent, glorified in all of his glory. He is high and lifted up. The Lord of all creation, high and lifted up. We need to see him that way. And if you've never seen him in that way, or you've never felt that presence, you don't get it. There have been times in my walk with him when I have felt that presence, there there was one time in particular, I believe, that the Father himself showed up where we were, and the presence of holiness and of power was so overwhelming, couldn't move, face down on the floor, my face eating carpet, almost couldn't breathe, but in the midst of all of that, I felt his love. I knew that I was his son. And boy, was I thankful that I was. I don't want to be any, I would not want to be anybody that would be on the wrong side of the Lord when he says, Enough is enough, I'm done. I will wait no longer. But we, as his followers, as his children, as those that call him Lord, we need to get serious here. We need to consecrate ourselves. We need to take a serious look at our lives. And if there's anything that displeases him, you should rush to get rid of it. Proverbs twenty, three twenty six says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Son or daughter, doesn't matter. They wrote, it was talking to David, but he's talking to you. Give me your heart. Where is your heart right now? Is it on him? Do you desire to please him? Do you desire for your eyes to observe his ways? Second 2 Timothy 2.21, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from the sin, from the darkness, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. Look at that. Prepared for the Master, capital M. A vessel of honor that he can put his spirit in, that he can put his love in, that he can speak through, that he can use your hands to touch somebody. But sanctified and useful. He warned us. Read letters, Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That should scare every believer straight to take a look at their lives. Is there anything that would make him say that to me? The will of the Father is that all would be saved. The will of the Father is that you would love and adore his Son, the will of the Father is to be restored to you and to walk with you in the cool of the evening. The will of the Father is to put everything back the way it was before Adam and Eve messed up. And to do that, we must obey the word. and We must listen to the Spirit. We must yield. I don't see a whole lot of yielding when I go out there. I see a lot of people that are in control of their own lives and their own destiny. They have their own ministries, some of which have put their own names on them. That's why you'll never see my name on a ministry. And the only reason I started to put my name on these teachings or on the, the uh, image is because the Lord told me to. That's only been a recent thing. I detest self-promotion. and won't ever do it. Unless you can hang on a cross, shed every drop of blood, be put in a grave, raised three days later, fully healed. You're not worth having your name on anything. And the only reason I do it was because the Lord said, I want people to know where to find you. And I got to tell you, it even bothers me to talk about it. Because he's Lord. He's King. He's glorious. He is wonderful. He is mighty God. There is none like him, which is why... I get as aggressive as I get against the enemy. How dare you defy him? If you've seen any of the videos with SRT, you've heard me say that. And it comes from my heart. And it comes with righteous anger and indignation. How dare they defy the living God? How dare they rebel? How dare they make a mess of creation? How dare they hurt his children? We need to get the zeal for the Lord, not lose the love for the Lord. I'm not talking about people. You're not going to bring anybody into the kingdom by thumping them with the Bible. You're just not. You need to love them, and you need to have compassion for them, but you need to be willing to fight for them. We need to become aggressive in prayer. And what is called spiritual warfare, but it's just prayer. We need to understand that there's an enemy that has been defeated but that refuses to yield and needs to be subjected, needs to be reminded of what took place on Calvary, needs to be reminded of the empty tomb, needs to be reminded of the upper room. And that happens through actions, not just through words. In Acts 6-4, the apostles... Said that we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to ministry of the word, which means we don't want to wait tables. We want to, we don't want to organize your, your, your feedings. We want to pray and we want to minister. There are people that are called to serve. There are people that are called to administrate. There are people that are called to do those things. But then there are some that are called to get down, get dirty, get, get on their knees, get on their face, uh, take a fighting stance against the enemy and get at it. Because here's the truth. The wrath of God will be revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. as Paul talking to Romans in one eighteen. When you look at what's going on in the world. And when you see these people acting out beyond just simple protest, and you know that they're being paid to do it, and you know the person paying them to do it is more than likely reprobate, who has caused destruction on both Jew and Christian, who wants to destroy this country. Well, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to pray? Are you going to intercede? Are you going to push back? See, that's what happened in this election, whether you want to admit it or not. The church woke up. They call it the evangelical vote. They like to label things. It wasn't just the evangelical vote. It was the Amish vote. It was the Jewish vote. It was a lot of people who said enough is enough. But I believe that was divinely inspired. We need to push back. We need to stop judging things according to appearance, but judge with a righteous judgment. John seven twenty four. you see, we are called to judge things, to measure things, to look at things and examine them and say, hmm, they say that they're believers, but I see no fruit on their tree and I see nothing that indicates to me they know the Lord. Or this person just clearly says, I'm not a believer. I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. They won't ever just come out and say, hey, by the way, I'm demon possessed. I'll, I'll, I'll tell them. But the fact is, we need to look at people with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the gifts of the Spirit, to work with the fruit of the Spirit, to understand who the King of Kings is. If you can't lead them to salvation, listen, listen to what I'm about to say here. And understand, he desires all men to be saved, but not all men will be saved. Not all women will be saved. Not all children will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will. And everyone who doesn't won't. And if you don't believe that, go to Genesis 8 and the flood. The whole world was covered with humanity, some of it not completely human, and some not human at all. And out of that, eight people and an ark full of animals died. Because they were not his. And that will happen. When the sky turns red and the smoke, I believe what will happen is when the Ring of Fire, the Pacific Rim, which by the way was rumbling pretty good this weekend, when that thing pops off, that whole side of the planet's going to be gone. Because all those volcanoes will go off at once, and all the earthquakes will respond accordingly. And the sky will be filled with ash and fire, and the sun will be covered in that ash, and the moon will be covered, and it's going to take on the colors that have been prophesied. And if you still want to be here, you go right ahead. I would rather believe he's going to snatch us out of here before that happens. But the point is this. We must see things as they are. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. When's the last time, outside of a handful of people, the church stood up and said, we understand what the laws say, but killing a baby in the womb is wrong, chopping it up and selling its body parts are wrong. And not only will we speak out, we will act out if you don't stop. When's the last time you got on your knees and without knowing somebody's name, prayed for that person that was considering killing that child in their womb? I, re- I have heard story upon story upon story that people actively went on prayer walks. They either laid hands on buildings or prayed from a distance and they shut businesses, abortion businesses, uh, ungodly things down through prayer. God will answer your prayers if it comes from your heart. So here's what I will tell you to do and what I have begun to do. You pray for mercy where mercy is available. If they can be saved, I pray that they will be. But if mercy is not available to them then I pray his wrath be available to them. We're out of time. The games must stop. We must decide, do we believe he is who he is? Do we believe what he said? Do we believe what the word says? Or do we continue to play religious games? The church at large has become a business. It's become a corporation. It's more of a social function than a spiritual one. I've seen it, and I've been watching it for 28 years. Early on, I was able to tolerate it. I was able to go along with it. I can't anymore because I know the king is coming, and I know that we have a job to do, and the job is to get people saved, healed, and delivered, and I don't have time for games. I don't have time for building programs or or things like that. I don't mind having a place to fellowship and get you fired up and and for us to pray and sing and do whatever the Lord wants to do and for the fire to fall, but then I'm expecting you to take that and go do something with it. Let's get real. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Nobody's, let me stop here. That's Matthew 25, starting verse 31. Nobody's going to help him sit on that throne. Nobody's going to dust it off. Nobody's going to clean it. Nobody's going to prepare the throne. That's his throne. And he will sit on it. And it will be ready because he made it ready. And it will come when he wants to come. And all the nations will be gathered before him. This will be a command performance. And he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And I've visualized, I've seen this in the Spirit. I've seen him walk through that gate and exploding on the stones that the Muslims filled it with to keep him from from walking through, when that eastern gate explodes, when he comes off the Mount of Olives, when everything splits and he walks in and it greets him, and he walks in to sit on that throne, and the nations are gathered before him, and he begins the winnowing process with the angels working with him, and his sheep, the ones who's Names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the ones who I believe that with a twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face, he's going to point, come over here on my right. And then I think with both anger and sadness, he's going to be forced to look at all the rest that are left and motion to his left. And I believe some will resist and they won't want to go and that's why the angels will help them. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then I believe his head's going to turn with fire in his eyes. His jaw set. And he's going to look at those on his left hand. And he's going to say, depart from me. You cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison. And you did not visit me. And I'm sure they'll be shocked and and very startled. Oh, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or, or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and, and did not minister to you? Remember, they called him Lord. They know who he is. And he will answer them, Assuredly, I say to you, as inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, the kind of punishment where it never stops and you never die and the pain never goes away, into a fire that was created to torment supernatural beings for eternity but the righteous into eternal life, into paradise. We need to take that seriously. We need to stop listening to these ear ticklers that tell you he never talked about hell and he never talked about a fiery judgment. Really, dudes, open your Bible. Matter of fact, let me open it for you. We need to take him seriously. We need to take what he said seriously, which is why I have a problem with people that kill babies or want to kill babies. I have a problem with people that don't care about the homeless, don't care about the veterans laying on the street, the ones who have PTSD, the ones whose minds have been fractured, the ones whose lives have been fractured, the ones who have been set into, sent into demonic lands and, and been destroyed under an unjust war, an ungodly war that was ruled by global elite that have nothing to do with what they said to do with, and they lied to us. I have a problem with if you have no compassion for the sick and the dying, if you have no compassion, then I will look you square in the eye and say, I do not believe you are born again. If your your religion is anger, if your religion is judgment, if your religion has no love, then I will say your religion is just that religion because you have no relationship. But because of all that, because I don't want to see anybody have to hear that, because I don't want to know that somebody I know, maybe a family member, somebody I love, somebody I care about, maybe somebody sitting in a pew somewhere or following a a teacher or preacher or pastor or supporting a ministry who thinks that they're okay, get pointed to his left and have the angels have to force them over there like the winnowing fan, pull them out. We need to take him seriously. We need to take this seriously. And we need to take the enemy seriously. This isn't a joke to them. Why is it a joke to us? Zephaniah 3, five: the Lord is righteous in her midst, talking about Israel. He will do no unrighteousness. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He never fails. But the unjust know no, no Shame. I believe that what we've seen in this election period and in this time in America is a lot of people who have no shame. So much so, they won't share it with you on social media. That when you look at some of this stuff, you wonder, first of all, I'm shocked you feel that way. And even more shocked, you want us to know that you feel that way. But that has to do with what I'd read about the time. We need to take an enemy seriously because they're taking it seriously. They don't believe what I'm saying. They don't believe what this word says. They've deluded themselves into thinking they can win. And I want you to understand this visual. When the king decides enough is enough and he leaves the throne, something he could have done from the throne room, he comes and does himself. When he gets involved in that final war, when he brings the saints and the angels with him, when he rides directly into battle and does what he does. Mankind is caught in the middle of a major supernatural war. That's why the dragon gets enraged with the woman, the church, Israel. He gets enraged and he makes war with her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, the Messiah. Don't think, well, it's just Jew and we're, you know, yeah, I believe he's going to rapture Jew and Gentile out of here, those that deserve it. But I also believe many are going to get saved during that time and have to ride the whole thing out. And he's coming to protect them because if he doesn't, it's over for them. They will not endure. But we need to understand the enemy is enraged, They know their time is short. When their fallen fathers get out of the pit, when those watchers that were put into the pit for mixing with the daughters of Adam, first of all, they are seriously ticked off. I mean, they are ticked off on a level that I'm not sure the human mind can understand. They are psychotically enraged. And their sons and their children and the other fallen who didn't get put into the pit are waiting for them. This is a massive... Ugly coming out party that mankind's caught in the middle of. But yet, people are blind. They don't see it. They may even listen to me and go, wow, this guy's out there. He's nuts. They just don't see it. Their eyes have been blinded. They don't understand. Well, then we are called to pray the scales off of their eyes we need to understand something. This dangerous time is so dangerous that the Lord talked about an aspect of it in Luke 22 verses 35 and 38 through 38. He said to his disciples, the ones that were still with him, when I sent you out without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. Then he said to them, but now, He who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. For he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that that which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors, for these things concerning me have an end. And they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said, It is enough. What he was telling them is after the crucifixion, after what he does on Calvary, they need to prepare themselves for a violent crisis. Not so much so that they all needed to be armed, but they found two swords. They needed protection. They needed protection from wild animals. They needed protection from robbers. They needed protection from those that were going to try to kill them in Judea and Samaria and wherever they went, if they were unprotected, these people would not hesitate to take their lives. Self-defense is available to the believer, but it must be self-defense. It cannot be aggression, because right after he says that, They show up to arrest Jesus, and Peter draws one of the two swords that they've found, and he cuts off the ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus, who probably did not have a sword. Peter, in his rage and his fear, attacks somebody who didn't need to be attacked, and that's when the Lord rebukes him, heals the ear. You can read this in John 18.10, because it wasn't done in self-defense, and it was done against his word because he said this must happen. So, just because you can defend yourself, you must be able to hear his voice and know when to and when not to. But the time to prepare, I believe, is now. Do not be unprotected. You better be prepared. Everything changed after the cross, everything changed for them and for us. We need to take this walk seriously. You know, I preach this a lot. I talk this a lot. I share this a lot. When I was in uh, Birmingham recently, somebody told, uh, the person that invited me told Peggy, said, you know, some people come in here with a pinprick of of, uh, conviction. Richard came in with a chainsaw. We, we need to wake up and start taking this walk seriously. We need to take the call seriously. We need to have a commitment to him and the concept to go. You know, 1 Samuel. Samuel said something that I believe applies to the religious church of today. He said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. He wants heartfelt obedience, not religious ritualistic behavior. See, because if you have a heart for him, you'll have a heart for the lost. You'll have a heart for the people that are in demonic bondage. You'll have a heart for this world that the enemy's trying to destroy. And those human agents of the enemy are destroying. See, when I pray against the enemy, I pray against Satan. I pray against and his angels, I pray against the fallen watchers and their demonic offspring. I pray against the humans that serve them. I pray that those humans would wake up and be saved. But if they refuse to be saved and are reprobate, than to be destroyed. He wants us to be obedient, and he wants our obedience to be the model and the witness to all. Look at what Paul says in Romans sixteen nine: For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Be wise about what is good in order simple. Stop complicating these things. Let's get back to the red letter basics. Let's get back to the simplicity of the gospel. Let's understand the basic message because when that moment happens, when the day of the Lord comes, it will come as a thief in the night and the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. This is Peter, Second Peter 3, 10-18. "...as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked." but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. Stop listening to the ear ticklers. Stop following people down paths that don't lead to righteousness, that don't lead to salvation, that don't lead to getting anybody saved, healed, or delivered. Stop getting caught up in the dog and pony show. Get Stop getting caught up in the smoke and the mirrors. Stop getting caught up in anything that keeps you from being ready for the return of the king. Keeps you from being ready for that moment that the door opens to the marriage supper of the lamb. You don't want to be asleep. You don't want your lap, lamps to have gone out because you have no oil. You want to be awake and you want to be ready. For when the bridegroom comes, he's going to close the door. Father, I come to you now on behalf of your children. I pray that you'd wake up whoever's fallen asleep. And to those who are awake, I pray that you'd hit them with a fresh fire. A fresh fire in their hearts, a fresh fire in their minds, in their soul, in their spirit. I pray that, Father, they would hear this call. I pray that they would heed the appeal to the remnant and be what they were called to be, to find their place in this war, find their place in the battle. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would guide them how to pray and who to pray for, that they would lead people into the kingdom and not into religion, not into denominations, not into a building, but into a fellowship of brothers and sisters. I pray that you would become their Lord and their Savior. And I pray, Father, that you would become their Abba Father in their heart and their mind, and they would know. Now, Lord, empower us, provide for us, glorify yourself through us, fill us up. If we have any areas of our life that make us unfit, show them to us and burn them off. Burn us clean, Father, but get us ready. Make us prepared. Clear our minds, clear our hearts, clear our ears. Now, Father, speak, and Holy Spirit, have your way. And I ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you, make his countenance upon you, his eyes upon you, turning toward you, looking at you with love in his eyes. Be the apple of his eye. And I pray he'd give you his peace, his shalom. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'm Richard Grun. This has been an Appeal to the Remnant on the Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.